You're listening to Get Out and Drive Podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Sean Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. We'll be bringing you gearheads all the information you've never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Well, we are back with another episode of Get Out and Drive. I am Sean, Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. I am John, Custom Carnard Meyer. So today, on the way over, I drove Saddle Tramp over to the studio, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm pulling in, and eight-point buck. Holy cow. Standing next to the driveway. Wow. So I'm pulling in, and deer doesn't run off. Makes me think, huh. Saddle Tramp is a lot quieter than he used to be. Oh, it Looks is, man. We used good. to scare all sorts of animals. Yeah. Yeah, puppies and nuns used to run. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, deer just stood there. There's a little guy right there. Yeah. So I get my phone out, take yeah. pictures, uh-huh. and he's just staring at the truck. Right. I know what he's thinking. What's he thinking? Thinking, man, that's a cool truck. Oh. I'd like to go right for a ride in that thing. I bet he would. Yeah. So, I don't know. Opened the door. He kind of went over to the mm-hmm. to the woods a little bit. Right. Still standing, staring at the truck. Well... So, I don't know. It is cool. We have to see if we can get him to go for a ride one of these days. Yeah, next time maybe. It is pretty cool. Anyhow. <laughs> so, uh, I've got a uh, another Get Out and Drive listeners ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is from uh, Dave Shutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, we interviewed Dave for our episode, Driven to California. Oh, I remember. That was fun. Yeah, that was a fun. He built fun, a lot uh, of stuff. Uh, he built a lot of neat stuff. Yeah. So, his question for us. Uh, if you could build anything, what would it be? Wow. No holds barred. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a tough question to answer. It's pretty broad. I mean, that changes hour to hour, minute by minute sometimes. It depends on what's for sale and what, what things yep. you send me on Marketplace that what, are available. What pops in my head at mm-hmm. any given second. I mean, right. there's always 50 builds going on in my head. But right. I, I think if I had to pick one vehicle that I would like to build mm-hmm. I'd have to go with a 55 Chevy okay again it would be kind of dependent on on the day time mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. how I would build it right but I, I think it you know it would be a, a kind of a it'd definitely be something that I could get out and drive in right uh, probably LS powered okay and just low sleek clean simple mm-hmm. uh, some with steelies and dogs right and, simple, uh, effective. Simple, effective. Right. And uh, I, I think that's, at this moment, today, that's what I'd be building. <laughs> nice. Today, what tickles my fancy, I know I'm always talking about 40s era uh, hot rods. I think today I would like a 63 Plymouth altered wheelbase. Really? Yes. yes. All right. That's kind of different for you. It, it is. It is. I told so. you it changes from day to day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're you're usually more of the custom guy. And, uh, right. And stuff. All right. Yep. I like where you're going with this. Keep yep. going. Oh yeah. <laughs> Got to be something altered wheelbase. Got to be something crazy. I I I like that era. Uh, it is the weird looking car, AFX car, mm-hmm. uh, just before funny cars. I just, it's an incredible era. I never had a chance to build one of those yet. Uh-huh. Never had a chance to be involved with one of those yet, either a clone or a restoration or a new car. Okay. Um, and uh, I really think that would be uh, a handful to drive. Okay. Well, yeah. fair enough. I'll, I'll hop on Marketplace and see if I can help you out with that. Oh, come on now. <laughs> You're killing me. You're killing me. 
What do you got? Uh, I've got a question from Donnie Faraby. Uh, he was uh, one of our guests on an episode called Driven to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he was here in studio with us. Yep, he is from Memphis, Tennessee, down uh, near Elvis area. Right. He's always wrapped up in Elvis-type stuff. Uh, he was the one that helped restore Elvis's sprint car. Right. Yeah. That is a cool story. Yeah. That is a really cool yeah, story. Donnie's got a lot of cool stories. Yep. Uh, he asks us if you could go to a shop or builder, just hang out, help, shoot the breeze, uh, which shop would it be and why? My specific interests uh, have always been with um, 40s era cars, customs, like we just talked about. Um, so I think it'd be great to talk with a person that I kind of moved up with and generally the same age and have the same ideas with is mm-hmm. Tim Strange oh, yeah. from Strange Motion. Right. Uh, we will even be uh, interviewing him later on in this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think we'll hear a lot from him, a lot of history on uh, Pro Street and history of uh, himself and Strange Motion and uh, his wife, Carrie, doing interior work for them and how they built themselves up through the years. Right. Uh, I think it's uh, going to be a great interview, and, and, and I think it'd be somebody that would be uh, great just kind of hang out with, hang in yeah. the shop, and uh, not only do a podcast about Tim, right, uh, but... Uh, just kind of hang out for a bit. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Oh, good answer. Yeah. Yep. Hey, John, tell our legions of fans about Drive Gear. Drive Gear. That is our new apparel line for Get Out and Drive. Available at getdrivegear.com. They've got tons of stuff there. Yeah. Shirts, hoodies, all sorts of things. I think they even have masks. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Several different designs. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff available, so if you get a chance, listening to Get Out and Drive, you want to let everybody else know that you do, get your apparel at getdrivegear.com. Hey, Sean, I heard there's a new holiday. Really? Do I get the day off? Oh, you may. It is October 4th, 2020. I think it's going to be a Sunday. Oh, I will have the day off then. You'll definitely have the day off. Uh, We reached out to the founder of National Get Out and Drive Day to find out what it's all about. National Get Out and Drive Day encourages everyone to hit the road, enjoy your co-pilots, and see the sights. Through Get Out and Drive podcast, that's us. That is us. We're able to connect with people through cars. Everyone has a story or memories of driving with your family and wishing you weren't squished in the back seat with your brother and sister. Taking your first solo drive after getting your license, driving around with your friends, with the music blasting. Many people... Remember that old car that someone in your family or that guy up the street had? Cars and driving are part of the road trip of our lives. We need to keep that tradition in our lives and in the lives of generations to come. We want everyone to take a day to get out and drive and to capture the allure and adventure of the open road. I am looking forward to it. I am certainly looking forward to speaking to everybody who has a chance to celebrate and get out and drive day on October 4th, 2020. How can everyone find out about National Get Out and Drive Day? National Get Out and Drive Day can be found on Facebook and Instagram at National Get Out and Drive Day. can be found on Twitter, Get Out and Drive Day. Or you can actually fill out a form and tell them about your event or what you plan on doing for National Get Out and Drive Day at NationalGetOutAndDriveDay.com. All right. Uh, today we are interviewing with Tim Strange. Uh, Tim is a veteran custom car builder, TV personality, owner of Strange Motion Rod and Custom, an event announcer and host. How you doing today, Tim? 
Good. How are you guys doing? Doing so, pretty uh, good. Thanks for spending a little time with us today. Uh, I heard you just got back from the uh, NSRA Street Rod Nationals. Yeah, we went up uh, Wednesday, came home a little bit early yesterday. I get to go up there and do some filming with them. They hire me to do some stuff for their Facebook page. And then uh, every year, NSRA puts together a DVD coverage of the event, and they sell that. So I've been doing that with them for seven or eight years now. Okay. Cool. So how was the show this year? Lucky to be there, I think, the way the world is right now with all the cancellations for events. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of vendors were not there, and a lot of vendors pulled out at the last minute because there was all kinds of rumors going around about safety standards and what they were going to be able to do in the building. And some vendors decided to be outside, which worked good. Um, if you've ever been to Louisville for the Street Rod Nationals, that building is humongous. And about a third of it was just petitioned off with a wall that you couldn't even know there was anything on the other side. It was still a temporary hospital. Um, even though I guess nobody's ever checked in there, they still have it open just in case. Um, it still gives you an idea. We had some friends that came, some customers that never been there since they moved from California, and they still couldn't believe how big that building was. Wow. Cool. So what was the car count like? Uh, a little over 7,600. Was it the car registration? I would say there was maybe 6,000 cars on the ground. Yeah, it was still good. Wow. The most important thing that I seen all weekend was how happy everybody was and the smiles and everybody was just happy to be out and about, seeing hot rods driving around. The burnouts were crazy at night. It's probably crazier than I've ever seen it. And uh, yeah, I thought it was an absolutely excellent event. Sure, it wasn't as big as last year, but it was the 50th anniversary last year with 12,000 cars. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, everybody and their brother went last year. But we had, we had an absolutely amazing time. Well, cool. Uh, if you would tell us what uh, what sparked your interest in the automotive world. Well, I'm one of them weird people that probably like you guys are that pretty much everybody in my family and everybody that I grew up around was either into top cars, drag racing, hot rods, motorcycles, something. So my dad was into the motorcycles and built choppers till I was about six or seven. And then when me and my sister was too good or too too big to get all the Harley with him, so he decided to get a 57 Chevy, and he's been a Tri-5 Chevy guy ever since. Uh, we went to local rod runs and shows growing up all the time. And then my great uncle, which I just call Unc, he would take me to the big street rod runs, the custom camp shows, and he really got my my interest in hot rod, street rods and lead sleds, definitely. That's cool. That's cool. So I know you uh, you said your dad had a 57 Chevy. What is uh, What was your first car, man? My first car was a 55 Chevy. And this is a story you just can't make up. I was a farm kid. I know it's kind of hard to figure that out with all my earrings and tattoos. <laughs> I was a 4-H kid. Uh, we had all kinds of animals. I had to work quite a while, feed the animals before I even get on the school bus at 7.30 every morning, even from about eight years old on. Um, I sold my 4-H show pigs when I was eight years old and bought my 55 Chevy 150 baby blue and white for my great-great-grandpa for $100. Wow. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so we drove it around the barnyard. We pulled, pulled a loading chute. If any of you city people probably have no idea what a loading chute is, uh, how you would load, it, load the animals in the back of a big truck. Then when I was getting a little bit older, I realized it was a little too rusty for me to build for my first car, so I sold it. Bought a 64 Le Mans, sold it. And then by the time I was 14, I bought my 64 Chevelle. That was my high school summer car. And then I rebuilt it 
and uh, it was my first car that I started winning national awards with when I was 19. Man, that is uh, not a story you can make up. No, very unique. <laughs> and by the time I was 19, at one current time, not buy and sell, I've lost track on that. Right. I have owned 11 vehicles by the time I was 19. And Adam, you know, wow. part, you know, $50 parts cars are sitting out in the cattle pasture, but I had 11 cars when I was 19. Wow. That's a lot of cars. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a lot of cars for anybody, particularly. On that is, that is yeah. true. That is true. <laughs> yeah, I had more cars then than I do now. Man, alive. And that's all, you know, that is a pre-eBay and pre-everything when you could pick up a car for a couple hundred dollars and, and, uh, and, and take what you want off it and pitch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys, you guys are Missouri boys. I live in Tennessee now, and the Southern people don't understand that You'd buy a $50 car that absolutely had no floor pans in it. You right. just, oh, got a good bumper on it. And you just buy the whole car and stick the rest out in the pasture. But yeah. Yep. That no is, idea what that is exactly to. right. I bought several cars just for one or two parts and moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the joys of living in the Rust Belt, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how, how did you learn how to work on cars? Uh, did you get tech training, college, hands-on? How, how did you uh, start um, out? Working in the shop with my dad, he was a farmer, and then nights and weekends, we always worked on his Tri-5 Chevys, and then we painted all the local farmer trucks, put rockers, cap corners on a, a million square body Chevy trucks for extra money. One of my dad's 55 Chevys that he built had a tilt front end on it, and he let me use the spray gun. He handed it, gave it to me. I sprayed the yellow firewall. Uh, when I was eight or nine years old, and I got excited and just held the gun and didn't move and ran the hell out of it. And <laughs> it had a tilt front end, and he left it on there, and he'd point everybody. That's where my boy learned how to paint. They'd look at that run, and it's like, um, I don't know if that's actually learning or not. He might have squeezed the trigger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I learned to paint and do body work from a, from a young age. Yeah. And, just, and then uh, I started working at the local body shop right down from the high school when I got my driver's license that we did. You know, small town collision, but we was also known for Corvettes, Concours style vet stuff. Uh, from the fiberglass, he was a tournament boat fisherman, so we fixed bass boats. And when I was in high school, I could blend candies and the boat flake and everything. And then I went to auto body school in Scott Community College in Bettendorf, Iowa, for a two-year program. Uh, worked at a couple of Chevy dealerships real quick while I was building my first full-on hot rod of 54 Chevy. That I chopped the hard top, built a tube chassis. I couldn't afford a cross member kit, so I built all the suspension, threaded all the arms. Wow. Uh, did all that pro street car, got it done about 93 or 94 street machine national stuff, mm -hmm. and got magazines 26 years ago. And I've been running my shop ever since the phone started ringing when that first car hit the magazines. Yeah. yeah very cool. Inspiration. What, uh, so you're, 17 19 year old you're looking to build your first car or you're looking to build it who who'd you look to uh people that had built other cars other builders things like that other car builds that were already existing what'd you see what'd you like um i'm one of them that memorized about every car magazine there ever was between car car magazines and bmx magazines you live in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. you know in the winter time you just kept going through those magazines you know, I was a big fan of, you know, Barris stuff. And, sure. of course, I love Stance. Of course, Fat Jack Robinson, he's a hero. And I actually got my picture taken with Fat Jack at the Roadster Show this year. I was still kind of a super fan. You know, of course, you know, the Boyd Coddington stuff. And right, right. Custom stuff. I was a big Gary Howard fan. And, um, you know, 
Gene Winfield and Daryl Starbird. I was just into anything that I could get my hands on. And of course, I liked muscle cars because I was a Chevelle kid too. Right. And I loved all the Baldwin motion stuff. So that's kind of where I got the motion for my strange motion name, kind of an homage to those guys. And then it also nice. means that I'll work on anything that moves. So Nice. Very cool. Anybody step up uh, to be a mentor and actually come and physically help you? Or it was uh, pretty much you were learning by school of hard knocks by, on your own? Um, as I, I grew up around a bunch of dudes and you know, between Galesburg, Quad Cities, and Peoria up there in Illinois, it was a really good hot rod scene. Uh-huh. I mean, we'd go a car show in Nauvoo that did be 700 cars. Wow. Uh, you know, good turnout. It was like a tri-state event in Nauvoo, Illinois, and mm-hmm. just a good group of dudes. So, you know, all these guys that my dad was friends with growing up that, oh, I'm just coming home from someplace, and, oh, their garage door's open, and they're working on a 37 Ford. So I, I stopped at different guys' house from Mick Greenman's to Al Adams, to Bob Southwick, you know, a bunch of Midwest guys that, you know, had some magazine love through the years and are still building stuff in their garage. A great fabricators. We're very lucky to have a really good uh, hot rod scene growing up in that area. Yeah. Nice. Any uh, anybody that you had kind of secret inspiration? Somebody that uh, you you may want to say now that you you looked at their things and you kind of looked up to them. Well, we lived in the middle of nowhere, so I think it was just my dad and his work ethic. You know, he's a farmer, and he taught me a twelve-hour day of work is still only a half a day of work worked from sun up to sundown. He worked 70 hours a week at a factory and we ran a Christmas tree farm. When I was going to school, I would work at the body shop, drive to Bettendorf, Iowa, which was an hour, go to school for four hours in the morning. Uh, school started at 7 a.m. I'd go up there then I'd come back, work at the body shop until about five o'clock in the afternoon. Then we had a seasonal Christmas tree business that we'd go out and cut all the trees pre-cuts. I was the head flocker. So you laugh at that, you know, the white flocking. I was the flocking guy. So there was nights I'd be out there flocking trees till 2 a.m., go take a nap, get up, drive the call, leave to go to school at six in the morning. And we just, that's what we did. The Christmas tree businesses, we had that farm. They quit. They still got, dad still has that farm. They quit doing the Christmas trees probably, I don't remember, 94 or five or something like that, maybe. Cool. Learning, learning by, uh, busting your ass and uh, and 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 good work work ethic obviously yeah you know farm kids that's that's what it's that's all you do is you just work so i mean i work by myself in the shop now and my norm my short week is probably a 70 hour week wow so you own uh, strange motion uh what point did you did you decide to open your own shop it was 26 years ago um my, my 54 Chevy Pro Street car to a bunch of Midwest rod runs and it got in uh, on the cover, a little small cover picture on popular hot rodding. And a few months later, it, we had like, when we was at the Street Machine Nationals that year, we probably had six photo shoots. That's, uh, I think that's, that might've been where I met John was the Street Machine Nationals years ago. All these photographers would come around the world and we got shot for Norway, Finland, Sweden, Japan, Germany. We get a handful of photo shoots, and the next year they'd just be sprinkled all over, yeah. all over the world, all the magazines. Yeah. And uh, just, yeah, pretty lucky on that <laughs> end. Cool. Well, what was the? Uh, you remember the first vehicle that you built when you opened your shop? Um, the per- personal car that got the shop going was the '54 Chevy. Um, I think I I always had stuff when I worked at the body shops and the Chevy dealerships. I was always working on stuff for people. I think the first car that I was 
finish and when I opened my shop was a little weird ex drag car pro street angle. I was just finishing painting. Uh, didn't do the whole cast or nothing on it. And then uh, for about three years, I just worked out of a corner of my dad's tractor shed, drywalled a little corner, did everything in one room. All the, all the fab, the paint, the wiring, everything was just in a about 35 by 40 drywalled room in the corner. Um, I did a couple, you know, some local guys' restorations, some Mopars and some Trans Ams, a few Dodges. Of course, tri did a, I've done a, I can't count how many Tri-5 Chevys I worked on since my dad was always around them. So I did a lot of Tri-5 Chevys. Um, I always was building a car for myself, you know, as a, as a builder, you're always looking for what's, what's next. You know, that's what they say. What's your favorite car you ever built? Well, it's the next one because even when you're finishing what your dream car is, you've already come up with ideas that you don't want to put in that one because it's too late to go backwards and you save that for the next project. I think one of the best, one of the first real customer cars that hit magazines was a, a 36 Ford truck that had a 33 car front end on it. The cab was stretched, lift off kind of Carson top, but real that type of era billet wheeled street rod. Um, that kind of a weird story since we live close. Dave Lane, very well known street rod, hot rod builder. He still worked for his government job. He was working on this car wasn't getting it done quick enough for the customer. So Dave Lane actually called me and says, hey man, you want to finish this thing? And now that, now that I look back, Dave was wanting to go towards the traditional hot rod side of the world instead of the billet all machine stuff. But uh, he's very talented because I've worked on a car that he built and I finished. And we took that to the Street Rod Nationals of the year. It was in Oklahoma City, I think in 97. Um, got a shot for Street Rodder and everything, so. Very good. Very cool. Uh, what are you currently working on, or do you have anything in the works that you can talk about? Over the years, I've always trying to get good clients, and I can say I've probably got some of the best clients that I've ever had in 26 years. Um, the weird thing is both of the guys are really private. Both collectors have over 100 cars in their personal collections, sure. mm -hmm. and they just keep a car here. All I can say is we're doing a lot of, still doing a lot of 30s, 40s, 50s stuff. LS swaps, uh, doing a lot of LS stuff to make it look like it's old with a fake distributor and old valve cars. Oh, yeah. Very good. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. But then we also got a couple fill-in cars. We've got a 62 Econoline in there for another guy. We've got a 442 Cutlass in there that's just about ready for paint. Five-speed in it, Tremec transmission, kind of a mild pro tour. Um, of course, I've always got something going for myself. Got a 65 Chevelle. For me and my dad, it's kind of old school 60s hot rods, uh, real rodders, re wheels, like a Halibrand look, 15s oh. and 16 by 10, ah. deep dish, yeah. mini tubs, Z frame, paneled, extended rockers, big block carburetor, Sweet. Uh, hammered on the ground and coilovers and pallet interior. So it's like a real 60s hot rod, you know, big rumble and right. a, a little bit of modern tweak to it. Yeah, good. So, I'll be looking forward to seeing that one. I own a 65 Chevelle myself, so I always love those cars. Oh, awesome. You know, my first car was a 64 that I kind of built and won some awards with, and then I sold it. A couple years ago, me and Dad tried finding that same car back, could not find that. Well, my good friend that actually helped me paint that 64 back in the day when we were like 18, 19 years old, he still had his 65, so he actually sold that car so it's the next best thing than finding my old 64s and redoing his 65. <laughs> oh, very nice. Great, great. Well, we talk about breakdown stories here on Get Out and Drive. Um, sure, you've had your share. 
What uh, anything you can talk about? Things that uh, blew up on the side of the road, and you had to pick up uh, MacGyver style. Um, I've been kind of lucky on the hot rod side of stuff. Other than you know losing a fuel, pump. I've lost fuel pumps along the way, and power tour, I lost a fuel pump. And when you're at Des Moines in my Pro Street 54, we lost a fuel pump. But then we kind of realized after we changed the fuel pump on Saturday afternoon at the hotel that I think it was just low on gas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, the driving to college every day, we'd always go to the front, front, uh, you know, being around the snow, you don't drive your good cars in the wintertime. You go to the front line at the junkyard and buy running cars for less than a thousand bucks. And I sure. had a, uh, was it a 70, I don't remember what year it is, 70 something red Polara with the folding headlights. It was red with fender skirts and white vinyl interior. And I paid oh, like wow. 800 bucks for that thing. <laughs> nice. And one morning in the winter, it just started groaning and groaning and groaning and slowing down. Even though I gave it more gas, it just kind of went kakunk. And that was it. And oh my. Over, we just called the same junkyard to come get it. <laughs> Farther back in the yes. Oh, we always uh, we always laugh because we keep a good screwdriver and good shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pull the license plates <laughs> off and start walking. And yeah, and a good blanket and some coveralls in the wintertime if you lived up north. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I mean, uh, my my wife has got pictures of me on the side of the road. We we took our. Uh, uh, you remember our red and black flame Colorado that was on the cover of. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, street trucks and several other different magazines, but we had that truck and we melted an airline next to a uh, next to an exhaust. We pulled that thing off the side of the road. I always kept roadside stuff for air ride. Cut an inline uh, union, put new airline on there, and I took off running. And my dad was with me. He said, "Where the hell are you going?" I said, I'm going over here. I'm going to find a tin can, and I'm going to find uh, um, a piece of rubber, and I've got some zip ties and some other stuff. He says, what in the hell are you doing? I built a heat shield out of crap that I found on the side of the road. (laughs) Like, my wife took pictures of me. He says, look at this, idiot. I said, well, we're fixing this truck, and we're going to get it down the road. And uh, that was, I think, we were going to Greenville, driving that truck to Greenville in, uh, in 2004. And... And sure enough, we showed up at Greenville, and everybody says, "What the hell is that soda can on the side of the side of the airline?" That's my heat shield, you yeah, know. And and that good. was uh, you know magazine guys taking pictures of that kind of you crap. Do what you got to do. Do what you do to get going. <laughs> get going. My, my best repair story that I actually helped out on uh, one of the first or second years, uh, I was at uh, Colorado Good Guys event and flew out of Denver and. I scheduled one of them like shuttle bus services to get me back to the airport. And it was a sketchy shuttle bus <laughs> kind of running late anyway. And a lot of these people were crabby going to miss their flights. Well, the exhaust falls off the shuttle bus. Wow. So he pulls off to the side and he goes, we kind of wait for another bus. Nope. Everybody's hollering. There's probably a dozen people in this little shuttle bus. And it's like, right. we're all going to miss our flight. You were late already. I was like, can I get out and try to help you? He's like, well, I think that's against uh, our policy. <laughs> I was like, let me see what I can do. It was like a road construction area. And there was like those little metal flags yeah. on wire. Oh, yeah. I found like five of them, hooked them all together, got her knee, laid on my back, held the exhaust up with my feet, 
tied it around and basically bailing wired the exhaust up so we could get yes. going. Everybody, all these people are looking out the window like, what is this crazy fool doing underneath the shuttle bus? And I get in and they fire it up and I get a round of applause from everybody. Everybody makes their plane. So that's probably my yes. Nice. That is the roadside breakdown stories we love. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is fantastic. Uh, crazy build thrash stories to get uh, to get cars done for a show or to get something finished that broke. Oh man! If we if you know, care to we've say, we've been taking cars for SEMA for twenty three years. Right. Uh, of course, we're not taking anything this year because they canceled SEMA. But yeah, you know, we've built cars that we've. I always joke that SEMA is not a driving event. Right. It's a static, static event. Right. Um, we took quite a few pushers. So we took a car before that didn't even have a wiring harness in it. Right. Um, just, you know, work with a company and they want a new product debuted on a car. And it's like, can you get something? And, you know, we built my wife's Corvair uh-huh. seven months and debuted it for Royal Purple. Um, but when we did the blue C10 truck, I did the last five months. I did a hundred hour weeks for five months in a row. Wow. Wow. Uh, I was eating junk food and sugar to keep me going. Wasn't trying to lose weight. I lost 23 pounds those last few months without even trying just to get to SEMA. Wow. That's, that's, that's nuts. Hard. That is, that is crazy. And we always, I, go ahead. I don't have a big crew. I have a couple part-time guys and my wife used to work at the shop. Yeah. Um, so I, I pretty much just work by myself in there. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's our favorite thing to look at when we go to SEMA is pictures of the Bluetooth drive shaft. <laughs> Every, everybody is, it points out, oh, look at that truck. It's got a Bluetooth front drive shaft. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's one of my favorite things to look at. Or, yeah, I don't miss that anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, upside down wiring a car in the trailer on the way to SEMA. <laughs> you know, absolutely crazy. Crazy. So, uh... Car guys usually have some sort of uh, automotive-related collections. You got anything, Tim? Hot Wheels, models, anything like that? Yes to all the above. I'm still (laughs) the guy. um, My wife sent me to the store for milk today. I come home from the shop room a little bit on Sunday, and uh, I actually had to go to the Hot Wheels section, but I didn't find anything. Yeah. Um, Because I have a huge magazine collection uh, from from car magazines to BMX magazines and automotive books. Uh, Heck, I bought seven books at the swap meet at Louisville this weekend. Um, Yeah, I saw saw pictures of those. Go ahead. I saw you said had pictures of those up on on Instagram. Those were those were pretty cool. Yeah, Um, and then of course I have all my Hot Wheels when I was a kid. Um, What else? I, I don't I don't really got a bunch of other weird stuff. I mean. It's like every hot rod shop, you end up with a bunch of parts and some yeah. vintage stuff that just looks cool sitting around. And right. I realized too last summer that I had way too much of some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had like 371 and 471 and some 671 supercharger cases. And I think I sold a dozen of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I had a collection of magnesium quick changes and I sold probably seven of those. Yeah. I'm starting to realize that I'm starting to get older. And I don't really need all this stuff because of my wife's coaching probably, <laughs> but uh, you, you get, when you get older and you, you got to figure out like, well, I really want to build this car, this car and this car. And I've just been gathering parts for, uh, I got a weird kind of concept car, weird Harley Earl, what if car that I've started. And I've got 
Uh, customs are my, my heart, but it's hard to get guys that want to do customs and get paid for them anymore. So I'm going to build a 40 Merc for myself and I've got all the parts to go with it, a bunch of vintage stuff for it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Future of our industry. Uh, and I like to make sure everybody calls it our industry. Thank you for calling it our industry. I'm just kind of not hip on the word hobby for you, for me, for a lot of us. We make money doing this. This is the industry. Uh, how do you keep it going? And that's a good, yeah, a lot of people, it is their hobby, but I mean, put food on my table for 26 years and now my wife works in the industry too. And yeah, that's what my wife actually put a big post on explaining why events are a big deal to get back to on how many people put food and that's their livelihood that run events and sell parts and everything. But uh, we've always done a lot of stuff. We've never, we didn't have our own kids. Um, so we do a, a BMX team. And we take kids around bike races. We can buy BMX bikes for them. We can kind of be the cool aunt and uncle and don't have to pay for college and braces because they're not our kids. Right. And uh, <laughs> we also try to do that in the hot rod industry. Um, I'm lucky that I do a lot of speaking engagements. I've been to schools and colleges. I've been on advisory board at Wild Tech. My wife's been on the Wild Tech when they had you know, all different campuses. VC uh, Tech when they had a hot rod program. I kind of go back and help them with their curriculum. We do question and answers with the kids. Um, we do, yeah, we, we, we try to pass it on as much as we can. You know, a lot of people, you know, we went on the way home from Louisville yesterday, we snuck out about 3.30 and it's only about three and a half hour drive back to our place from Louisville. And halfway through there is Bowling Green, Kentucky. And there was a supercar takeover, streetcar takeover event. Okay. And so we stopped there for a little bit because my wife needed to look at the grounds because they run LS Fest and stuff there at Beach Bend and needed to look at some places for their registration. And right. So you, you, you leave the Street Rod Nationals that it's, a, it's an older crowd. Yep. But it seems like the next last few years, there's been that next younger crowd that's they're coming with their kids in the strollers and stuff. So it's like the next generation sure. of the hot rodders. Um, but if you, you really think that it's only an older crowd industry that it's dying, uh, you need to go to LS Fest, or I was really surprised and impressed on the streetcar takeover. Okay. Definitely a younger, younger crowd. We pulled in in our panel truck. We've been driving for Royal Purple in a 63 panel truck. Mm. We're driving through the pits, and those kids are looking at it like it's an alien. Like, I don't know if they've never <laughs> seen anything that old. Of course, you know, it's bright colored and everything. But, you know, there's a lot of Camaros and mustangs and you know later model stuff and tuner cars and stuff but you know it's really them kids are really into technology in between rounds they get out their laptop they're tuning so definitely the market me is strong um you go to sema it's a younger crowd too i mean if people come in uh the older builders you kind of look everybody wants to take a car to sema then they've done it a couple times you realize it is kind of a pain in the butt to haul a car all the way to sema to las vegas and be there for a week week and a half and i noticed that 90% of the participants that take cars to SEMA are on the younger side of the, of the builders. Um, yeah, LS Fest and that streetcar event, man, there was a, definitely a young crowd there. Drift cars, all that stuff. So they may not all be into 32 Fords and uh, 50 Mercs, but it's still the automotive industry. So I, mean, and I, know, I know some younger builders that are building pro tour cars every day and high dollar, you know, LS swaps. And, and you ask them what they want to build. And they want to build street rods. You know, a lot of my younger guys in their 30s, they still love street rods. And, you know, I, I, I say street rods aren't dead and they're going to come back because a lot of guys that I know, I will help buddies in California and I've been in New York. And I always look at what the guy that owns the shop, what's his personal car? 
And nine times out of 10, the ones I go into, they're still 30s, 40s, and 50s cars are their personal cars that they want to build. So that's still the heartbeat of the industry, even though LS swaps and muscle cars are kind of what's getting all the love in most of the magazines now. Right. I, right. I see that because on Get Out and Drive, we always talk about the 30-year loop of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm seeing that a lot. And I know, Tim, you have to be seeing that a lot. Um, everybody freaked out whenever um, Louisville brought their attendance up to, I think it's 25 years previous. Isn't that where they're at now? 30. It's a rolling 30-year 30, 30 break, yeah. Okay, 30-year break. And that goes right along with our 30-year nostalgia type of thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to start seeing, you know, IROC Camaros and, and, and things like that. I never thought I would see uh, a rubber bumper Camaro or a, uh, you know, a rubber bumper disco era car um, being restored and things like that when, when I yep. was first getting in the industry. And now those are becoming the norm. And yeah, we're seeing body Chevy trucks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To me, you know, a square body Chevy truck, I still see there's great interest in them lately. Uh, but I still see that in my, in my silly little brain as that's a junk man's truck. I see the sides split open on them and I see it piled yeah. full of wood <laughs> and old screen doors driving through yeah. my, my neighborhood because that's the way I see that truck. Um, now the 88 to 98 trucks are coming on strong. I, I have a 92 for my daily driver that I just put a, a QA1 coilover torque arm suspension kit underneath of it. And I drive it every day. I love it. It's got a little more room than a square body. And I'm going to paint it this winter and I'm actually going to chop it like an old boy Coddington truck when those first came out. Yeah. Yeah. I like those. I'm, I've been a fan of the CK trucks. Uh, when they first came out, I, I drive one uh, daily. Now I've got a 94 Suburban CK. Everybody else, the industry calls it OBS. OBS. I have a hard time saying OBS. It's a CK truck. It's a CK truck. I'm from the era. Old body style. Yeah. I don't don't get it. Yeah. Old body style. That's, that's no, it's ridiculous. That's That's CK. I, I mean, I was there in the beginning and I remember when uh 16 inch Boyd Coddington wheels were huge and, yep, and, yep. and, you know, that's a CK and to see a yep. peach and mint green scalloped Boyd Coddington truck in 94, uh, 95, 96, that was amazing to, yep. to look at all the bikini girls and everything jumping all over a, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, some styling concepts ad, um, you know, that type of stuff. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what those trucks are burned into my brain as now. And, uh, it'd and that's be, the nostalgia part that we was talking about. And that is about. the nostalgia yeah. part, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, it's uh, it's pretty slick. So I know you see it already happening, Tim, so it's great. Yep. And then good guys now, they, at most all their events on Friday and Saturdays, they allow, allow also up to 1987 vehicles. So you get the IROCs and stuff like that coming in and autocross and everything too. Okay. Yeah. Do they still have on Sundays? I thought they still had like a... Uh, uh, either all Sunday or after a certain time, a come all, any, any vehicle that wants to come in? Yep. They call it All-American Sunday at all their events, except maybe one in California, uh, the fall, the end of August event. Yeah, on Sundays, late models are coming. Like, I announced autocross for good guys, and then we actually end the normal classes on Saturday, the end of the day, and then we just do a late model Sunday shootout for the newer cars on Sunday. Okay. I, I like that because it gets everybody involved. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was out at the good guys uh, in Scottsdale um, out there. And when they, when I don't remember how many years ago it was, but when they first started doing that uh, open gate, 
nearly open gate thing on on Sundays, and I was looking around and I said, "Holy cow, there is everything here." I mean, absolutely everything. And then you know, I like it is you know, I was a kid growing up with going to rod runs with my dad, and then you know, I had a different year. My dad was still a tri five guy, and I had the sixty four Chevelle. I see that. And I see it a lot. It's like, oh, grandpa's got the 32, dad's got the 55. Now the kid can come with his his Camaro. So it, it's weird when you think about it. I had a buddy that, uh, Chris Ryan, a big custom builder from South Carolina. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm looking, you know, he builds amazing customs. I'm looking for a T-top IROC, original paint. And I'm like, what? And he, he found one. And then when you think about it, when I was younger and I'm riding my dad's 55 Chevy, mm -hmm. and we're listening to the Beach Boys. <laughs> So now, if you're driving in your IROC and listening to, like, the first Poison album, it's kind of the same difference of year. It really is. Yeah, it, absolutely. It is. It is. And, and it's absolutely crazy. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't believe, again, the 30-year nostalgia loop. And it's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. We've heard that story a lot that, oh, I remember when Dad bought a, bought a, a Z28 back in 84. Right. And, yeah, I was riding around with him, and now that – kid has grown up and now sure. he wants to relive those times yeah just like we want to relive relive our earlier times yeah. so yeah in my mind you know i'm still 18 or 25 or something but i was talking to a kid at i don't know if it was street rod nationals or that takeover event and i'm sitting there talking to him and he's talking about this and you know you, you kind of think you know is this kid just making stuff up and want to talk but then he started talking about adjusting points and i, I was like oh man you really know what you're talking about i'll help these kids out here they don't know what points are anymore and you know, then we got them talking. I'm like, cool, you know, cool guy. And he goes, thank you, sir. Yep. <laughs> oh, uh oh. Tim Strange is old today. Yeah. Everyone yeah. listening, yeah. officially, yeah. Tim Strange is old. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I've gotten that before. I had yeah. i i drive uh, I drive a '72 Maverick, and I actually had a kid that was maybe I'd say he's maybe between 16 and 19 years old came up to me at a gas station and said oh man asked me if i was the original owner of this car mm -hmm. I, I said no 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 <laughs> I, I, I had that with my 65 chevelle a kid that i used to work with i drove it to work one day yeah and uh yeah his like man that's a really nice car did you buy that new uh-oh like man how old do you think i am <laughs> <laughs> oh good gravy so Tim, you uh, used to be on a uh, or had a TV show called Search and Restore. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, uh, TV is kind of a weird life. I never really looked out to be in TV. Um, we built a, a Buick years ago uh, for some people from California. Started it for some people that kind of sketchy people, and it sat for a while, and then uh, we got to sell it. Some good people picked it up, got us to do a lot more on the car than we ever thought about with the first guy, and uh, took the car to SEMA. I mean, we toured it all over, but we took the car to SEMA, and I'm standing there at the end of the day wiping it off at SEMA, and Kevin Tate from the Trucks TV show come up to me and says, hey, man, I've always wanted to meet you, and stood there and talked and exchanged numbers, and he called me and says, hey, man, we're doing a, a volunteer all-star body thrash. We're bringing in six guys and body work in a car, a truck, and doing some metal work for a week. You want to come down to... Franklin, Tennessee by Nashville and volunteer. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's kind of cool. So, you know, it didn't pay nothing. They didn't give you a hotel. And the wife's just like, yeah, go down. That'd be kind of cool. Just something to say you was on TV. 
a TV show. Film for a week and you get on one half hour TV show. So I did that and I guess I did pretty good because then they were adding on to their show line at the power block on Spike TV back then. And then the next year they were getting ready to do a search and restore TV show, which I didn't know what it was or what it was about. And they called and says, hey, we're going to fly you down, put you in a hotel this time and you're going to do a screen test. We've narrowed down people that we've had in here, about a dozen guys. So come down. I was like, okay, I'm out of the shop again for a couple of days. I'm going to go down just kind of, I gave a speech last year at SEMA about working out of your comfort zone, you know, then magazines quit and now all this stuff this year. So somebody blames me someplace, someplace for saying work out of your comfort zone because that's all we've done in the last year. But uh, yeah, I did a, did a screen screen test and Spike wanted the, the tattoo guy. And so I went, went down to Tennessee and before I went down, I had to, they wouldn't tell me what the show was about. And I told them, I was like, well, I'm not going to do something goofy. So you don't tell me what the basis of the show is. And, you know, the TV studio, they didn't understand. They think everybody wants to be on TV. And I was like, well, I want to do something I'm going to be proud of. I, there's, there's some crappy TV shows out there and there's some excellent ones. So they finally told me it was like a give back show, kind of like a overhaul and plus almost because we gave more story and, you know, started some college funds for kids. So I went down there and you know, we always came to Nashville for BMX races and stuff, but, you know, if that show would have been in Detroit where it would have been colder or California or something, I, I wouldn't have took it, but we really liked Nashville, so I thought we'd roll the dice and come down here for a while and liked it down here, and while filming, we sold our place in Illinois, found a place down here, found a shop down here, and so I did 32 episodes. Uh, we built cars actually in a month. Um, everybody gives TV people a hard time about you know, deadlines, it's all TV made up. That's the only reason it's made up because you can't film a car for a year on a normal network TV show because people don't want to watch you sand and bondo for 72 hours, right? you know, right. On, a, on the bottom side of the hood, you know, or, you know, the way you build a nice hot rod. And it was a, it was a little uh, uphill battle because most of that, that TV studio, they had four other shows that were just were how-to based. So, they were so how-to, like if they filmed the side of the car for a sponsor that this is how you put these power windows in, if they got all they needed on the driver's side, that car never got passenger side power windows put in. Oh. And they just dismantled that car because it was a TV prop and sell it off in pieces. But the uphill battle was we were building cars for people that had to run and drive and be safe and go back to them right. in a month. Um, the first one was really, really a struggle. And realizing that I had to get parts lined up if they couldn't sell the sponsorship ads because that's what it was all based off of was that's how they made their money is ad placements. That's why you have to sit through a break how-to because they're paying the bills. That's what keeps the lights on. That's how all the TV people get paid. So right, right. it was a really good experience. And we helped a lot of people. We started some college funds. Some of the volunteers that came on, their shop got busier. They had to add you know, more work. They had to add you know, a new building. Uh, I wrote a story about the story of that Buick that I was standing beside when I met Kevin and what that all turned into. If we would have finished it for those first people, um, we never would have finished it to that level. None of this stuff would have happened if I didn't work for a bad client because then it made me work harder, finish that car better. We got to tour around the country with that car, won awards from Detroit to Pomona to Sacramento and Starbirds and then that show turned into a TV show because I was standing beside that car when I met Kevin from TV and then all that stuff that it turned into. I mean, we did a car for a family that lost their mom to cancer and we started a college fund for the kids and sent them to Disney World. Sure. None of that would have been possible if we would have built that car. Right, right. 
Yeah, that's that's powerful stuff. Absolutely yeah, powerful yeah, stuff. Thank you for cool doing story, that. Yeah. yeah, I wrote I wrote a whole like a quick Facebook post when Paul Hansen, the dad, the the people, the father that we built that original Buick for, up when it was stalled out, and somebody seen that. And there's a guy that writes these books on each chapter is a different somebody's story. And he had me add more to the story. So the story of that car and what it turned into in that TV show was actually printed in a uh, automotive storybook. Great, cool. That is awesome, man. That was fun talking with Tim. Yeah, it was. He had a lot to say. He's built a lot of cars. He has. Yeah, a lot of uh, history and uh, background on him. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, be talking with him more in part two oh. of our interview with him. Part duh. Part duh. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. So uh, yeah, we'll cover more of his uh, builds and uh, a little more in depth on his cars. Yeah, yeah. Get together with uh, talking with him about some vehicles he's built in more recent past. So uh, stay with us for part two. Yeah, it'd be good. I am John Custom Carner Meyer. You can follow me at Custom Carner on Instagram. And I'm Sean, Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Sedan Man. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, share, give us your comments. Tag us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod.